Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Tryon. I'm Jeff Harris. I'm the pastor here at First Baptist, and I'm grateful for you joining us today. I must say, podcast might be a bit of a stretch because really this is our weekly sermon, and I'm grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this week's sermon. I will give one word of warning, though, especially to those of you who are driving. Sermons um, from time to time tend to put people to sleep, so if you're driving, be real careful. We don't want you to fall asleep, because we'd love to have you tune in next week. (laughs) I hope you enjoy this week's sermon, although enjoy is really not the intended outcome of a sermon, but I am grateful that you took the time to listen, and I hope you have a great week. I'll catch you next week. Welcome to the First Baptist Church of Tryon. It is good to be together. I want to welcome all of you who are joining us at home on Zoom. It's good to see your faces here, and it's good to see the faces of you here in the sanctuary. I am grateful that we can be together in this way, even while we are still apart. I want us to open our hearts and our minds this morning to settle down, take a deep breath, and open ourselves to the presence of God. May we join together to worship the living God. John Spinks will transition us into this time of worship as he rings the bell. Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is awesome, a great king over all the earth. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God is the king over the nations. God sits on his holy throne.
Let us pray. Lord, we gather together today in your holy name. We bless, we believe in your son, Jesus Christ. He's one who sent through many generations to bring us back into communion with you. It is because of him that we are able to call you father. We have access to you and that access is life giving. We have eternal life through Jesus Christ, all because we believe. So Lord, receive our worship, receive our praise, find pleasure in our offering, for we will bless you always. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Join with me in reading Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and of your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our first hymn this morning is All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. And it is one of the oldest written melodies that, that we still use in our hymnal today, in, written in the United States, one of the first in the United States. All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the Oh, wow. 
I'm reading from Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 53. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple, blessing God. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Come ye sinners, poor and needy is a very special hymn to us in this area because it appeared first in Billy Walker's book called Southern Harmony and William Walker is buried down in Spartanburg at the old Magnolia Cemetery. So this song was in this area and it, to me it's kind of like a white spiritual. It's a song that our, that our ancestors probably would have sung at camp meetings and I think it has a lot of meaning. I will arise and go 
reading. That's the text for the sermon, and I want to read the last few verses. God put this power to work above all rule and authority. Hold on, I'm skipping a line, aren't I? Let me back up. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. The word of the Lord. Baptists are congregationalists, which means that we make decisions at the local church level. For example... And since, since this is an example, I might as well make it as ridiculous as possible, right? For example, if we decided next Sunday that we wanted to start sacrificing chickens on the communion table, we could. We could do that. I'm not recommending we do that, but we could. It would be our call. There would be no bishop to reprimand us. There would be no other group of Baptists who could stop us. Now, they might share ridiculous things about us on social media or write some newspaper articles about the First Baptist Church of Tryon sacrificing chickens on the communion table. A few other examples. We could move worship from Sunday morning at 11 p.m. to Monday evening at, let me back that up, We can move worship from 11 a.m. on Sunday morning to Monday night at 11 p.m. We could do that. We could use cornbread and milk instead of bread and wine for communion. I could keep going, but I I think you get the the gist. Now, I'm going to pick on us just a little bit because you you can talk about your own sister, right? Just nobody else can, so... Sometimes we Baptists use this phrase to describe our congregational polity. Sometimes we call it local church autonomy. Autonomy, which is an interesting word choice, actually. Very interesting, because really what autonomy means is self-government. It means self-rule. Autonomy. I get it on the one hand, and on the other hand, I'm thinking, yeah, I think there's probably a better word. Because churches aren't self-ruled. 
What we are supposed to be doing as a congregation is seeking to do what Christ would have us to do, not what we come up with by ourselves. We aren't self-ruled. We're supposed to be ruled by Christ. And you see, the idea is for congregationalists like us is that when we put all of our heads and our hearts together with the entire community of faith, and when we think through things and we read Scripture and we consider what others have said about Scripture and when we pray together, that together the Spirit will help us discern what is right for us to do. We aren't just deciding for ourselves. It's not just majority rule. That's not really how that works. We're seeking the will of Christ. Which brings us to this text for Ascension Sunday. So the day of ascension is 40 days after the resurrection. Jesus ascends into heaven, which was on Thursday, and some Christians celebrate Ascension Day on the day 40 days after Easter. Others celebrate it today on the Sunday after the 40 days. And so this text from Ephesians is the epistle reading for Ascension Day, and it's a prayer. It begins in verse 17, Paul prays, for God to give those in Ephesus a spirit of wisdom and revelation as they come to know Jesus. And then, then there's this profound statement about Jesus, a statement about the lordship of Christ. That's the part of the text that I read again just before the sermon. Taylor read the whole thing, but where I'm really focusing on is this part about the lordship of Christ. Jesus ascended to God and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is, again, above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And God has put all things under his feet and has made him the head of all things, which is head of all things for the church, which is his body. Jesus is the head of the church, which is why churches aren't autonomous. Christ is the head of the church. Not you, not me, Christ. And therefore, we aren't to just willy-nilly decide this or that, whatever we want to do. That's not how it works. Our goal is to do what Christ would have us to do. And that is the conundrum for churches. Are we ruled by Jesus or are we ruled by ourselves? Is Jesus actually Lord? That's the question. If you've been baptized, you have professed that Jesus is Lord, but the question is, is that really true? <laughs> because if you're a Christian, you're not autonomous. If you're a Christian, you don't just do whatever you want to do. To be a Christian is to submit yourself to the Lordship of Christ. If you are a Christian, you don't get to pick and choose who you love. Because Jesus has said that we are to even love our enemies. And this isn't just some strategy to win folks over. Sometimes I think we think of it as a strategy, right? Well, if I just love those who are my enemies, be kind to those who aren't, eventually I'll kind of wear them down and win them over, and that, that could happen. But 
It's not a strategy. You see, we love our enemies because God loves our enemies. And the theologian Walter Wink, a few years back, said it this way. He said that the love of enemy is the litmus test for authentic Christianity. Now, I'm not a big fan of litmus tests, but that's not a bad one. The love of enemies is the litmus test for authentic Christianity, Wink says. And then he goes on to say it this way. He says, when we demonize our enemies, when we call them names, and when we identify them with absolute evil, he says that we deny that they have that of God within them that makes transformation possible. In short, what he says is, is, is we play God. When we refuse to love our enemies, we play God. We write them out of the book of life, he said. When we refuse to love our enemies, he says, when we have concluded that the enemy has drifted out beyond the redemption of God. And you see, if Jesus is Lord, then there is one thing that I know for sure. You are not, and neither am I. If Jesus is Lord, we are not. And if Jesus is Lord, then we don't get to just make up our mind who's in, who's out, who's worthy, who's not. There's this little-known Christian writer who I follow on Twitter, and, and he did a book tour, a small little book tour back in 2019. And he did a little straw poll with the folks who came out to hear him read excerpts from his book. And, and here are the results of that poll. He said that 76% of those who came who identified themselves as progressive Christians, he said 76% of them saw loving enemies as being complicit with injustice. 78% of those who came out who identified themselves as conservative Christians saw loving your enemies as compromising with immorality. So about 80% of these self-professed Christians had a problem with loving their enemies, which means I think we might have a problem. We might have a problem. In fact, the book that he wrote was about loving your enemies, so 80% of the people who bought this book had a problem with loving your enemies, which is probably why they bought it, right? They, they realized, maybe I need to learn how to do this because it is not easy. It is not easy at all. And, of course, if it were up to me, I'd just probably pass that, but it's not up to me. It's not up to me. I had a conversation with a colleague the other day, and he said this. He said that following Jesus, and then he said, I mean the real Jesus. He said, that has made me less nice. And it has made me less interested in what he would call false peace or false unity. And he said, and I am no longer interested in giving equal space to both sides. He said, following the real Jesus has led me away from the center and has turned me into an activist. 
That's what he said. So let me just frame that for you again. So at one time, he believed Jesus is Lord, meant for him to kind of stand in the middle, to try to be a bridge. And now he says, the real Jesus has told him to get out of the middle, to be an activist. And, and my serious but somewhat snarky reply to him was, I said, well, what's interesting is you thought you were right the first time. You thought Jesus had called you to somehow be in the middle, to be a bridge. But now you are just as equally convinced that Jesus has called you to do something else. So how do you know you're not wrong again? Is what I ask you. My point was and is... Following Jesus, allowing Jesus to be Lord is not easy. And by not easy, I mean Jesus calls us to do hard things. Yes, we all know that. I sound like a broken record. I say it every Sunday. But it also means this. Jesus calls us to do strange things. Not just hard things. He calls us to do strange things like loving your enemies. That's a strange thing to do. He calls us to be different. He calls us to not get sucked into the partisan polarization vortex. He calls us to resist the tribalism that surrounds us. And that's not easy to do. Another example, Will Campbell. Some of you know Will Campbell. Will Campbell was one of the few white Baptists who was on the right side of the civil rights movement. Campbell was the only white person who was a founding member of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. He was a close confidant of Martin Luther King Jr., which is why it's a bit surprising to learn that Will Campbell was also an unofficial chaplain to a local chapter of the Ku Klux Klan. That's, that's kind of strange, right? <laughs> now, Campbell... Campbell publicly denounced and fought against the Klan's racism and their acts of violence and terror, but he refused to demonize those people as less than human. Because Campbell had this strange belief, and here's how he summed it up. He said, if you're going to love one, you've got to love them all. If you're going to love one, you got to love them all. And then Campbell had this other little saying. It was almost a mantra for him. And when someone would ask him a question, here's how he would reply. I don't know. I don't know. Which is, I think, a natural outcome of allowing Jesus to be Lord. You see, if I know Jesus is Lord, I know I am not. Which means I also know that it's kind of difficult to know exactly how Jesus would have me respond in every situation that I encounter. Sometimes I don't know. Well, what should a good Christian do, Jeff? Well, sometimes the honest answer is I don't know. 
But mostly what I think I don't know is, is humility. I don't know doesn't mean that we're clueless. It doesn't mean that we don't have enough sense to figure things out because most of the time, whatever faces us, we can sit down together, we can look through the scripture text, we can do the theology, we can do the hard work of ethics, and we can probably figure out what we should do, probably most of the time. What's the faithful Jesus approach most of the time? But the truth is, it's still a really good confession to remember, I don't know. It's a sign of humility that, that confesses, I'm not Jesus. Which is, I think, the first step in allowing Jesus to be Lord, to admit you're not. To, to admit that the world around us is just far more complicated than we can really even imagine. That people are way more complicated than we can imagine. It's a good practice to say it from time to time. I don't know. And it's also a good practice to admit that if you're going to love them one, then you've got to love them all. If you're going to love them one, you've got to love them all. And that, my friends, is the gospel. Amen.
Let us pray. For your wondrous love, for your steadfast love, for your relentless, redemptive, reconciling love, O oh God, we give you thanks. We are grateful that that love will not let us go even when we'd like to let you go. Even when we'd like to go our own way and do our own thing, we are grateful that your love calls us into your community to be your body for a world that is broken, for a world that is hurting and longing for healing. Help us to be people, O oh Lord, who do what is right and good and help us to do that without demonizing the other, but by loving the other. By remembering that we are all your children, bound together by your love and your spirit. We pray especially for those that we carry with us today who need your healing and your hope. And so I'm going to invite you now, those of you here in the sanctuary, and then I'll get to those of you on Zoom in just a minute, but if you're here in the sanctuary and you want to offer up the names of those who need God's healing and God's hope, if you will do that and then I will repeat it so that those at home can hear. Linda Harris, Christy Catlett, James McNamara, Billy Haney, Susan McHugh, and I would offer up the names of Daniel Sapp's mother and father who are both sick with COVID, his mother very sick with COVID in the ICU. Now, those of you at home, you may unmute yourself and offer the names of those aloud who need God's hope and healing. Roby Binkley. Darlene. Erica and Grant. David Bauman. Robbie Frady. Lord, be with all the ones that we have named and the ones left unnamed and ones left unknown. We pray especially for those who live in the midst of conflict. I specifically think about those in Israel and Palestine with that conflict. We pray for peace. We pray for an end to this pandemic. And we give you thanks for the progress that has been made. I now invite you to continue in a spirit of prayer as this musical meditation is offered. You may continue to pray or you may simply just enjoy the beauty of this music as a reminder of God's love and faithfulness.
So if you're at home, I invite you to unmute yourselves as we join our hearts together to pray in the way that Christ has taught us. Our Father, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our trespasses and us. So if you'll mute yourselves at home, and then Jim will offer us uh, this course for the final time, most appropriate on this day, Ascension Sunday. He is Lord. It has been good to worship with you this morning, whether it was on Zoom or YouTube or here in the sanctuary. I'm glad that we could join our hearts and minds together for the worship of God. So let us, Harper, if you'll throw the gallery view up here, let's, uh, let's pass the peace with each other. Uh, I think you can see the folks at home. If y'all wave to each other, folks here and there, and God's peace be with all of us. Uh, some of you, I, I would imagine everyone knows about the updated guidance from the CDC on masks for vaccinated people. Uh, that was announced on Thursday that if you're vaccinated, that you don't really need to wear a mask in most situations, whether that's indoor or outdoors. And so our uh, regathering team will meet tomorrow night to, to discuss how that might uh, impact how we do worship here. Uh, and, and what, what we will do in the weeks ahead. Uh, I will say this, like we, we're not quite ready to hit, you know, 100% here wide open. So, um, and I know also probably whatever we do, it will be too restrictive for some folks and it'll be too loose for other folks. And so I just ask for your patience and for grace in the midst of this time. It was pretty easy doing all this when we just decided to do it all online, and now we're kind of slowly getting back, and this is where uh, it gets more difficult to uh, hit the right tone. So just know that we're trying the best that we can, and um, we appreciate you being patient with us, and we're really grateful for the way that you have uh, not only been faithful here, but been faithful representatives of Christ in our community uh, by, by being good neighbors to folks. So anyway, we appreciate your prayers as we figure out how we move forward from here. With that said, um, here's the benediction. May you go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And as you go, remember who you are. You are disciples of Jesus, our Lord and our brother, 
children of Almighty God, bound together as brothers and sisters through the Spirit. You are the very body of Christ. So may you serve the Lord with gladness all your days. Amen. So if